We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've just landed on the Ellis Martin Report. Stay with us for the next half hour as we present you with expert insight, commentary, and potential financial opportunity. Companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Ellis Martin may have a financial position in issues mentioned on this program. Whatever. I'm the announcer. He's asked to make these disclosures. And I like the sound of my own voice. Don't you? Yeah, you do. On the web, find us at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. The following segment is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. El Tigre Silver Corp. is focused on silver exploration and development in prolific Sonora State, Mexico. Find them on the web at eltigresilvercorp.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Stuart Ross, the president of El Tigre Silver Corp. Welcome to the program, Stuart. Thanks, Ellis. I'm glad to be here. Tell me about El Tigre's project in northeastern Sonora State, Mexico. Well, we have... uh project that has concessions totaling 431 square kilometers. It's huge. The amount of it that we're actually working is significantly less than that, but we have a buffer around us. We are about 90 kilometers south of the border with Arizona, east of Nogales. We are south of Douglas, Arizona, and Agua Prieta in Sonora. The project is accessible from Hermosillo, where our offices are, a half-day ride over paved roads for the most part, 35 miles of ranch roads to the project. And we are currently in the process of drilling for purposes of providing enough information and data to put into our 43101 to create a resource model, a block model. At the same time, we have on the property a tailing stockpile that's the result of 35 years of mining by the original owners of the property back in the uh, 20s and 30s. This tailing stockpile has been analyzed. We've done metallurgical scoping work and designed a production facility to produce revenue. And the revenue will be to support the exploration program going forward. The property has an enormous exploration potential. It has strike length on the original mine of 1.5 kilometers with 450 meters of dip. It was significant, the workings over 35 years and it was a very high-grade underground process. Our intention would be to open pit the top 700 feet of it, 200 meters, which would be somewhat less expensive, and we believe that there is material around the vein system and the hanging wall, foot wall of the vein system, disseminated material that will provide us with more than enough grade for uh, an open pit mine. So you have enough open pit to keep you going for quite a while, and you have all of that property extending out. And then sometime down the road, in who knows how many years, you can go deep, right? 
We could conceivably go deeper if the grades would support it past the 225 meters. At this point, our intention, and there is enough property to keep us going for a long time before we go deep, the tailings itself would last eight years on a 250-ton-per-day basis. We've designed a plant that will be scalable. It starts at 250 tons per day and is scalable to 500, so that would decrease the life of the tailings portion of the property by half, but still four years worth of revenue from tailings alone for continued exploration. The tailings is not the real story in El Tigre Silver. The real story is the exploration potential, but we need funds to do the exploration, and the funds, if they can be generated internally, are a lot less dilutive. Now with the tailings, you'll be able to go into production right away, at least with 250 tons per day. Is that correct? That's correct. What's the grade on that? What kind of output can we expect to see over the course of four years ahead? The tailings in size is between 750 and 800,000 tons. The specific number that we hit on our scoping was 787,000 tons. Difficult to imagine something that size. Imagine three city blocks 40 meters deep. That's the size of the tailings. It's enormous. The grades in the tailings from our drill program, we did a 25-meter space drill program, took us 46 holes to get where we wanted. The grades are average 2.65 ounces per ton. Anywhere from 2 to 3 ounces is the range. And the metallurgy shows us we can get 69% silver recovery and 94% gold recovery. When do you expect to go into production? From the time we put the funds in the bank for the production facility, we're 12 months to production. It's 8 to 10 months for construction and another 2 months of testing while we bring the production up to speed. Let's go back to the history of this company and its conception. Stuart, how did you find this large property over 400 square kilometers and how did it come into your hands? The individual that is the vendor is from Edmonton, Alberta. He is a good friend of mine. He was working on a tailings, a very small tailings project in southeastern Sonora, and it didn't go quite the way we wanted or he wanted, uh, but he had access to the tailings that are associated with the El Tigre mine. And we hired a geologist and metallurgist to research those tailings. And in researching it, we found in the University of Wyoming in Laramie, we found records that related to the mine how the tailings were created, and we also found a report written by Anaconda. Anaconda Minerals was on the property in the early 80s, and they did a full district-scale exploration program over almost three years. 8,000 meters of drilling, thousands of surface samples, 400 meters of drifting. The unfortunate part of their program was that silver was in 1978-79. The hunts were buying it, and it was going up, but by the time they were halfway through their program, it had gone back to the $6 level, so they passed on the property. That property came to our attention while we were looking at the tailing. I formed a Capital Pool Corporation in 2009, and in March 2010, we acquired the El Tigre property in a qualifying transaction. So March 2010, the company started trading as El Tigre Silver, and we started the current program. Give us some background on your management team and board of directors, if you don't mind. Yes, certainly. The board of directors and the management were specifically selected for the project because of their experience. Grant Smith, our chief financial officer, he has a public practice. He does this work for us as he works for others. Previously was CFO for Orcana Mining, has experience in Mexico with all the accounting idiosyncrasies that come with producing mines. Steve Craig is our vice president of exploration. He's an accomplished senior mining geologist, 37 years of industry experience, of late five years with Griffin Gold. 
January 2005, he brought the Griffin Gold project that's now in production back to production. He's had that experience. Our country manager in Mexico is Jose Velasquez. He lives in Hermosillo, where our office is. Jose has been involved and been responsible for drilling grassroots to pre-fees all over northern Mexico. His experience of 30 years has been in the area we're in with precious metals. Some of the drill programs he was responsible for are La Colorado, and Sonora Mine by El Dorado, Morris and Chihuahua, and the San Felipe deposit in Baja. So he's had a lot of experience with exactly what we have and what we want, what we want done. The directors are Daniel Telechea, who is the CEO of Diabras Exploration. He's with Diabras now, but he was previously president and CEO of ASARCO, and also managing director of finance and administration for Grupo Mexico. He has an enormous contact base in, in Mexico and is uh, willing to share that with us. Jeff Wilson is another director. He is VP of Exploration for Lincoln Mining, 34 years of professional exploration experience, precious metals, Mexico, western U.S. and western southern U.S., tentacle minerals. Ken Booth is another director. He has 30 years in exploration, mining, corporate finance. A lot of his background is in corporate finance. Although for 10 or 11 years, he ran Orcana Resources in Mexico. So has a lot of experience in what we need done. Wade Anderson is an independent director. He's a chartered accountant, has a practice in Alberta. Basically, he was appointed by the vendor as a representative. But Wade is a great addition to our team, audit committee chair, lots of experience with financial statements. And you have quite a diversified background. You were involved with a renowned beverage company, Clearly Canadian, which had a great deal of play worldwide. You've got a varied background with the Waterfront Group, a mining consortium over there in West Vancouver. Let's delve into your successful history. Well, that it started in the public company business in 1986 with what started as Jolt Beverage. Jolt Beverage was uh, within two years turned into Clearly Canadian Beverage Corp. Clearly Canadian was a very successful company. The sales in Clearly Canadian went from two million a year to 187 million over a two and a half year period. Just a heck of a rise. The stock did exactly the same thing. But along with Clearly Canadian, we also set up the Waterfront Mining Group and were involved with several mining plays within BC and also in Labrador. Our group set up the first capital pool corp that traded on the TSE. There were others in Alberta prior to that, but when the TSE allowed them, I believe it was 1992, uh, we formed First Venture Capital. That turned into LASIK Vision Canada, which was a fairly successful deal as well. So my background involves 25 years in directing public companies, transactions, equity, debt financing, administrative financial advisory roles, property acquisitions from start to finish. You have what looks like a very attractive share structure. We currently have 41 0.9 million shares outstanding. It is very attractive share structure. We call it an inside group. The principal vendor, the management between Sprott Asset Management and Pine Tree, we own 47% of the stock. So it's fairly tightly held, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And haven't up until the last two weeks, haven't traded an enormous amount, but that's changed in the last two weeks. Our volumes are picking up. We have a lot more volume happening with the stock, so happy with that. There are 16 million warrants outstanding, but the warrants are between 40 and 60 cents. They expire anywhere from December 2012 through January 2013. To summarize, Stuart, what are you working on at the moment and in the next 12 months looking ahead? We're um, working on completing the information we need to go into production. The next 12 months will see us building a production facility and getting it to the production level where we're generating revenue within 12 months. During that time, we're also going to complete this fall 2,700 meters of drilling, which 
together with what we have existing will give us enough data to create a block model which will allow us to update our 43101 and then in 2013 the drill program will continue with another 10,000 meters expanding the size of the inferred resource if that's what we come up with in our block model it'll expand the size of that and it will also test some high-grade targets in the northern end of the property. That's our plan for the next 12 months. And why should we consider El Tigre Silver Corp. as a potential investment opportunity in lieu of many of the others, aside from the fact that you're a sponsor of this program? Well, we have an enormous exploration potential. We also have a means of generating the revenue to pay for the exploration internally without having to dilute the stock. There are lots of companies that have exploration potential, but they have to continue to sell treasury stock to get there, and they end up being diluted. Well, Stuart, thanks so much for joining me today on the program. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for having me, Alice. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. I've been chatting with Stuart Ross, the CEO of El Tigre Silver Corp, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. Listen to the segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartreport.com. This segment has been sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. El Tigre Silver Corp. is focused on silver exploration and development in prolific Sonora State, Mexico. Find them on the web at eltigresilvercorp.com. Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. If you'd like to hear any of these audio segments again, find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. You'll also be able to review a great deal of news and information on a variety of topics that Ellis Martin feels is important for you to see. Wow, that's ellismartinreport.com. Want to make money in resource stocks? Stay informed with Resource World Magazine, covering the latest developments in mining, oil, and gas and alternative energy. Subscribe now to save half off the newsstand price. Simply visit resourceworldmag.com or call 604-484-3800. Or pick up the latest edition at select book and magazine outlets. Resource World Magazine, your insight into the world of resource investment. The following segment is sponsored by Expedition Mining, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol exu.v expedition has two dynamic gold projects in the yukon and three in nevada find them at expeditionmining.com dudley baker is the editor of preciousmetalswarrants.com mr baker has 35 years of accumulated knowledge and experience in trading stocks options leaps futures options on futures and warrants in march 2005 he founded and launched a new investment market data service precious metals warrants which provides detail on all mining and energy company warrants trading on the U.S. and Canadian exchanges. As part of his service, he provides insights as to when insiders are buying and selling and issues buy and sell recommendations based on his research. Dudley, welcome back to the program. Always good to be here, Ella. Now, Dudley, gold has advanced dramatically during the last few weeks. Is this a real rally or is it a fake rally? Is it a real rally? This is one hell of a rally. Come on. I mean, you know, gold and silver have just been uh, amazing here, you know, for the last few weeks. And as we told subscribers, we'd like to thank the Fed and Mr. Bernanke, you know, for this marvelous rally that we've had. But where are we at today? And as I said, we'd kind of phrase it, is the rally over short term? We've got incredible overhead resistance on a chart right at 1800. And we are just below it right now. 
could it blast through? Well, of course it could. But a lot of times we're going to get up to these strong overhead resistance points and we're going to pause. We're going to have some kind of a consolidation. And this is what I'm trying to I'm preparing myself and subscribers for this event uh, on the consolidation. If this happens, I don't look for much of a consolidation. I mean, it could be 50 it could be $100 uh, an ounce in gold. What's it going to do? It's going to give us better buying opportunities if we missed a few positions. I'm in a bizarre position myself and sitting with a little bit more cash than I would want when this party is truly getting started. So I am really, right now, almost begging for a pullback at the moment. And you know how it is in life. Sometimes we don't really get what we want. But that's what I want right now is a pullback for all of us. So you feel like you missed the boat a little bit on some of these stocks that were very cheap a few weeks ago, and now they're still inexpensive but not as cheap. And when I'm saying cash position, I mean, I'm less than 10% cash, okay? For most people, they'd say, hell, I'm fully invested, you know, 100% invested almost. So a minor amount of cash, but that 10% is still a really significant amount of money to me. I'm just looking to top off some positions here, and a few things have got away from us. Maybe where I only bought 40% of what I wanted, and I'm just looking. I don't, I don't want to chase things right now, so I'm just looking for a little consolidation. I'm excited here today. My number one position had a new record recommendation from another analyst today. It closed at an all-time high, or at least a high for the year, breaking out a silver company. I won't mention the name. Monster, monster volume. You know, it's always wonderful when your number one position, you're justified now from another analyst comes out, and you know, we're in the dollar range, and he's thrown out a target of 350. Well, that's pretty cool, you know. It makes me feel good. We've been on board personally with this story for quite some time, and this is what it's all about for me, being uh, in the investment business here and trying to help subscribers is all about trying to help lead our subscribers to some great gains in the future. You know, with both of our services, the Precious Metals Warrants and the GreedyGuru.com, two great services. But it's all, at the end of the day, I'm not big on doing a lot of writing, uh, seeing my name in print, yada, yada, yada. I'm here to make some damn money for me and for my subscribers. And so my number one, my number two, my number three position are rocking and rolling. And this is cool. Damn near at all-time highs. So especially anybody in my number one, number two position, nobody is losing money. Everybody has got great gains on the table. The party's just getting started. Well, you know, a couple of friends have asked me, since gold is up, should I sell my position? How do you feel about selling right now? We've got a long way to go. No, we're going to have maybe a short pause. As soon as we take out this 1800, we're going to run to the old highs in the, in the low 1900 range. Once we take those out, we're going to be rocking and rolling. And I think a lot in the business are starting to think that by year in, I mean, 2000, is that out of reach? I don't think so. I think the markets are telling us they're ready to run, and we just need a short-term pause here is all we, we need at the moment. Next summer, it would not surprise me, 2500 or more. I've always been looking at January slash February 2014 as my date, personal date, for the next significant peak. But others that I follow in the business are looking at maybe July of 2013. So now, what are we? I mean, we're, you know, we're nine months. So anywhere from July 2013 to, say, January 2014, that's the window that I'm framing here. I think we're going to see 2,500 plus gold 
God only knows where that's going to put silver. Obviously, it's got to be $50 north, north of $50. And life should be really good for resource investors. And our decision down the road is going to be, what do we do then? If we're successful and we lead our subscribers to great gains, we've got to make decisions somewhere down the road to take some profits. That'll be fun decisions, and that's down the road. But I'm, I'm looking at big multiples, you know, three to five to ten times on some of our stock pick before we have to make those decisions. So it's going to be fun. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by Expedition Mining, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol EXU.V. Expedition has assets in the Yukon Territory as well as Nevada. Over 12.5 million ounces of gold have been produced from the Yukon since 1896, with a present-day worth of approximately $15.6 billion, and the territory is still relatively unexplored. Many of the known mineral occurrences are yet to be thoroughly investigated with modern exploration technologies. Expedition has recently begun its Joy and Mount Mervyn projects. These properties are located along the Rackla Gold Belt in the Yukon. In Nevada, Expedition Mining has 100% interest in three gold exploration properties located within the Walker Lane Mineral Belt. Like the Yukon, Nevada is one of the top 10 jurisdictions worldwide for encouraging mining investment. Nevada hosts many world-class gold deposits being exploited by major mining companies. With a strong management team, cash in the bank, and potentially prolific resources in the Yukon and Nevada, Expedition Mining is well-positioned for upward momentum in the resource sector. Visit their website, expeditionmining.com. And we're back. So you're sitting tight in the middle of what you feel will be a prolonged rally with something of significance to happen next summer. Frequently, I guess I remain an optimistic guy that the markets are going to treat us well here in time. And I think we're just getting started here. And, you know, obviously nothing just goes straight up every day. But, you know, if we're talking about taking it now from just rounding it off to 1800 to 2500 I mean, that's one hell of a run in gold. At some point, I mean, a lot of the stocks are starting to really move nicely right now. The bigger companies, the producers, the dogs and cats, of which all investors have some dog and cats in their portfolio, me included. You know, I said they're not moving yet, but it's like they're starting to nudge, like somebody's starting to wake them up. They're starting to stir. Maybe they're up a half a penny or a penny or something like this. But some of these, it won't take much for those to really catch fire and to have a big multiple. But again, nothing's going to go straight up. We need nine months to a year. If you give the markets time to kind of boil. It takes time to get this rocket ship off the platform here, you know, and it just doesn't blast off instantly. It has to build and build and build. And I think that's what we've definitely got it started right now. Slight consolidation and we're going to be ready to roll. So the big message has got to be is, you know, as soon as we take out 1800 definitely at that 1900 all you can say is game on. I mean, now the sky's the limit. It's just a matter of what's going on in the world, what's going to drive the price to go to substantially higher levels. But it just seems like there's so many issues going on in the world. I mean, with the Fed basically printing and basically with the QE3 and what's going on in Europe. And the stage is set right now for resource investors. This is the place to be. I think the listeners that are not subscribers, that they're just looking for some great stock choices, silver, gold companies, little ones, big ones. We've got an incredible basket of picks here that I think are all going to be winners. And so we'd invite you to join us. And the websites are thegreedyguru.com and preciousmetalswarrants.com. You bet. The only two investment services you will ever need. Dudley, thanks so much for joining us today on the program. Thanks, Ellis. I've been speaking with Dudley Baker of PreciousMetalsWarrants.com and TheGreedyGuru.com. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, EllisMartinReport.com, or download the Ellis Martin Report on iTunes. This segment has been sponsored by Expedition Mining. 
trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol EXU.V. Expedition has two dynamic gold projects in the Yukon and three in Nevada. Find them at ExpeditionMining.com. Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine, you'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. If you listen to all of them, your mind will be saturated with money juice. That's what I call it. That's ellismartinreport.com. Ian Chalmers is the Managing Director of Alkane Resources, trading on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Alkane has significant assets of zirconium in its Dumbo Zirconia project with rare earths and rare metals, and then gold in its Tomlingley Gold project, as well as copper in New South Wales, Australia. Ian, welcome back to the program. Oh, hi, Alice. Now, I wasn't aware of all the projects that Alkane Resources has had over the years, evidently. We've covered the Dobo Zirconia Project. We've spoken about the Tomlingley Gold Project. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, while everyone is on summer vacation here in North America, you sell your interest in a McPhillamese Gold Project, a joint venture that you have with Newmont Exploration, a subsidiary of the giant Newmont Mining for a paltry $75.6 million. Mm, correct. <coughs> now, why didn't we know about this? This is great news. Congratulations. What are you going to do with all that cash or stock? Well, look, it's interesting. It goes back a long way, and it's, it's just part of our exploration activities. And because when you have development projects, people don't take a lot of interest in what you're doing in an exploration sense. But we actually discovered McPhillamy's back in 2006, and by 2009, I think, uh, or 2010, reported the 3 million ounce resource there. And at that stage, the joint venture was with Newmont. Uh, they came in and they earned a 51% interest. And sometimes the markets tend to take a sort of a, a light, slight negative view of when you're in joint venture with majors. I mean, you have 49%, therefore the major dominates the timetable and dominates what's being done. So in that sense, it sort of got pushed down the recognition pile, even though it probably still rates as one of the best greenfield gold discoveries in Australia in the last sort of five years or so. So yeah, it was important. It was a very important to us. When you have a major like Newmont who's there looking all the time around the world at all their different opportunities, McPhillamy's probably slipped down their uh, list of priorities a little bit and it wasn't going anywhere. Unfortunately, the Regis opportunity came out, Regis Resources opportunity came out and it seemed like a smart thing to do, a solar project. 100% because obviously Newmont were party to that as well and then we felt we'd sit back and hang on to the Regis shares and uh, go for a ride with them and, and get some return out of the project when they put it into production. Now the good thing about Regis is that they're already a gold producer, probably heading towards 300,000 ounces a year and maybe greater and then with McPhillamy's coming on stream in maybe three or so years time they might be a half million ounce gold producer. So they're a very substantial group, very substantial production capacity and the shares to us, if you like, going into the bank account. They'll sit there. Uh, we have no need or desire to sell the shares at this point in time, but we'll sit on it and um, just see what happens. And it's interesting. I mean, given that the deal was done at a, at a base price of $4.20, and today Regis are already trading at $4.70 something, so we probably made $10 million since we did the deal a week or so ago. So it's, it's useful, but it's a bit like a bank account, having it sitting there in the bank account and hopefully accumulating over the next year or so. What was the cost to acquire and explore or define that project? 
What was your investment? Our investment's actually quite small. I mean, we acquired the ground by applying for an exploration license. I mean, we apply for these licenses as long as there's no conflicting land use or other exploration titles in there. We were granted that back in, gosh, about 2000. We did some work on it in 2000 and then sort of slowly sort of got tied up doing Tommingley and tied up doing Dubbo and that's ultimately why we farmed it out to Newmont. I mean they came to us in 2000 and said look we've done a bit of a, a geological analysis of that region uh, you've got some good properties would you be interested in joint venturing and at that stage the prime target was a different project not McPhillamy's but the nice thing about it is that because they had no presence in that region they allowed us to do all the exploration work we put up the programs and budgets they provided the cash to do that and really we finally convinced them that this area we call McPhillamy's Philomies was worth drilling. So Alcane's exposure into the project is the total project is probably less than half a million dollars. Now over the subsequent years since the joint venture got rolling Newmont have probably spent a total of 15 million dollars. So it's a good return for them and it's an extremely good return for us. It's an incredible return for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's fabulous. I mean, in a technical sense, I mean, I'm a geologist, and you know, I know how difficult it is to find three million ounce gold deposits. So I guess technically, my internal technical body was saying to me, you know, don't sell. But in a corporate sense, it was a very very smart and logical thing to do, and it just helps Alcane going forward over the next sort of four or five years. Well, sure, that's a possible $5 billion resource. That's a liberal number, and certainly some shareholders might be saying, sure, that's 150 now, but what could it be worth down the road, and why aren't you developing it when Dubbo generates enough cash to get that into production? But McPhillamy's never been your main focus, has it? No, it hasn't. And, and we understand those questions. In fact, we got some of those questions here when we made the announcement as to why we aren't doing it. But the issue really is you can only do so much. I mean, we've got Tommingly ready to go and Dubbo a year or so down the road ready to go. We would have had to have gone and bought Newmont out, so we would have had to buy them. They, they may not have wanted to sell to us, but we would have had to buy them out first, then do all the exploration and feasibility study work. That would probably take us, say, three years. It cost us $100 million dollars, maybe more, then to a point where you've then got to find another 200 $300 million to develop the project. So we just weighed that up against where we're going with Tamingley, where we're going with Dubbo and some of the other exploration projects and said, look, because of the joint venture structure, we're really better off taking that in shares in, in somebody like Regis at this point in time because we know that ultimately over some over the next two or three years we'll actually get a very substantial return back out of Regis without the risk and without the difficulties of putting another project into production. Did Newmont do all the work in getting this property out of their inventory and yours? They had an interest because they already are a shareholder in Regis Resources and it had some merit to them to be able to do a transaction for shares because it then increased their shareholding in Regis. And like all big companies, they're always looking at a, a way to have the resources, to be able to quote the resources and also quote production. And they have this magic thing called equity accounting. So let's say that Newmont go up to 20% of Regis, it means that they can equity account 20% of Regis's total resources in the ground as 20% allocated to Newmont. And probably more importantly, when Regis go into production, or Regis are already in production, 20% of that output can be allocated and say, well, that's Newmont production as well. So it's a pretty neat deal in the sense that if you're a major company and you don't want the additional risk and time involved in, in say, developing a smaller project, it's a great way of adding to your perceived output by having this equity accounting concept. So they had motivation to do the deal with Regis as well. Not So we didn't put it up for, for tender, we didn't put it out for sale generally. It was a deal specifically uh, targeted for Regis. So is your remaining Tomlinley Gold Project 
potential takeout candidate? Not really. It's too small. It's a modest project. It's probably 800,000 ounces in the ground there today. Over time, we think we could push it to a million ounces. But then the resource ounces sort of generally only equate or convert about 50 to 70 percent get converted into production ounces. So it's a relatively small project. And the reason we're committed to developing it is that it provides us with that bread and butter income that 20, 30 million dollars a year income that will generate for us is just a very helpful backstop or insurance policy should for some reason Dubbo get pushed out another year or two or also to help us with our other exploration projects. We have three very good exploration projects in the same region, two of which we could easily turn into ore bodies in the next two or three years. So that cash flow coming out of Tom and Liz, if you like it, it funds the company independent of Dubbo. So that's the reason we've wanted to hang on to it. Certainly we've had the you know, the broking fraternity say to us a couple of times, oh, you need to split the company up between a gold company and a rare metal, rare earth company. And our view is it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, really, it's the cash flow that matters. It doesn't matter to me whether you're producing it from gold or copper or rare earth or widgets or something else for that matter matter it's the cash flow that people should should acknowledge and then you get valued on cash flow eventually not on the commodity and the diversity gives you some flexibility gives you some again insurance you know, if the gold price of dives in the next two or three years well we've got Dubbo sitting there we've got other copper projects it might be vice versa maybe the rare earth market again just wild to wild speculation falls apart totally then we've always got the gold as a backstop and the gold income so we publicly state we're a diversified company the difference is that that diversification is very geographically focused one small tight area in the state of New South Wales is where we see all of our developments coming so it's a long winded way of answering your question, but basically at this stage we see Tommingley as an important part of the development of the company. You did just mention copper, yes? Yes, we do have a copper exploration project, yep. Now copper is a metal that does well when rare earths and rare metals do well or are in demand. What kind of copper resource do you have and how do you expect to monetize that? in the future. Right now we've got a small defined copper resource. It's only about two million tons of one percent copper. It's a relatively small resource but it is open pitable and it does produce a very nice clean copper concentrate. We think we can double or triple that size over the next couple of years and get it up to say five to eight million tons. It becomes a worthwhile project. Again not a large copper project but something that's there and there's a market for the metal. We also have another exploration project nearby which is a potentially much larger a copper gold porphyry system. For example, Newcrest, you know, Australia's uh, still biggest gold producer or, or domestic gold producer, is about 100 kilometres down the road from where we're working. Now, that deposit that they have there is something like 40 or 50 million ounces in ground. Now, I'm not saying we found that, but this other exploration project is the same geological environment but it takes time to explore these and to develop the potential resources. So we've got the copper resource there, small but can be expanded, and nearby another sort of copper gold porphyry system, which again needs exploration. So these are the pipeline of projects that we see Alkane looking to develop over the next three to five years. And you're right about copper. I mean, it still remains an important industrial metal. It's not up there with, say, iron ore or coal or those metals, but it's a very important metal in any industrialisation. And you look at the graphs that companies 
companies like Rio Tinto and BHP put out. They'll show how copper growth is dependent upon the stage of development of a country. Now, as you get up into stable development in most Western countries, for example, the copper demand is fairly flat, but maybe grows at 3 or 4% per annum. Countries like China, which are in this enormous growth phase, that copper demand can be 10 to 15% per annum. So there's still a big demand going forward for copper in the next sort of 10 to 20 years as countries like China and India industrialise. It's a good metal. It's an interesting metal to be involved in, and so we see a lot of future in it. This is not a new company, and years ago you spent quite a bit of time staking out the area in New South Wales with the knowledge that down the road, or in the future, there'd be a market for everything in a polymetallic sense that you have found. That's always been the strategy. It's something we've believed in in the metals business. We believed in where it's going. We've certainly believed in the rare metal, rare earth business. And said I've been involved in it for 25 years. Probably 15 years ago, you know, I felt we were about to go through the transition where these metals would really start to come into their into their own as being you know, new age metals or environmentally necessary metals and. That's all been part of the general strategy. So you're right. I mean, the company's been around for many years, but going back uh, to our involvement, probably the early 90s, 1990 onwards, uh, we really did put a big effort into building up our land position and then ultimately having the strategy of multiple developments. Let's talk about rare earths and rare metals specifically. While two of the largest companies in the space, Lioness and Molycor, have experienced a bit of a takedown, and some of my peers are calling the sector somewhat of a bubble, the fact remains that you have memorandums of understandings, or MOUs, for probable offtake agreements for everything you'll have coming out of the double area, correct? That's correct, yes. You're right about the negative sentiment that's crept into the industry. And it, I mean, it's generally wrong. I mean, people have got to stand back. Okay, we did go through an enormous bubble-type effect back in uh, early last year, middle of 2011, but it's now starting to stabilise, and I think over the next year or so, you'll start to see prices stabilise again as demand picks up. And again, we're, unfortunately, we're going through another flat demand the time. But as demand picks up, those prices will start to come back to a level which is then long-term sustainable. And sure, the guys like Molycore and Linus are going to be there at the forefront with their big light rare earth production. There is still scope for other companies like ourselves with four to 5,000 tonnes a year of production, which aren't impacted to the same degree as you know, the bigger guys, Linus and Molycorp. So it's still a very good business. It's going through another transition that it will go through over the next, as I said, one to two years. The Chinese are looking at it much more long-term sustainable now than what they're doing to the industry inside China. So it is a good business, but the trouble is that the market has just taken this very negative view on it at present and uh, is not standing back and looking at the fundamentals when they're trying to value these companies. And unfortunately, we see it quite often. Regardless of all of that negative news in the rare metal space, Tom Lee is about to go into production. You've just offloaded the McPhillamy Gold Project for $76 million or shares equivalent. And then, of course, the Dubbo Zirconia Project will go into production, generating half a billion dollars a year for perhaps 100 years. So if you're looking for value in the sector at all, Alcan looks like a reasonable risk. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we would agree with you completely, but it's getting that message across. It's very hard. There's still a lot of skepticism, and particularly when you start talking capital costs of a billion dollars. You know, people always say to you, well, how are you going to raise that? How are you going to raise that in this market? The short answer is, look, we're not trying to raise a billion dollars today. Maybe 12 months, 18 months' time when we need the money, that's when we're back out there and there are multiple ways to do it. So people shouldn't get too negative at this stage about the industry and you know, about where Elkane will be in you know, two years' time or three years' time. Well, Ian, it's been a fascinating conversation this week. 
Thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Ellis. It's nice to talk to you, too. Thank you. I've been speaking with Ian Chalmers, CEO and Managing Director of Alkane Resources, trading on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Find their logo and click through to the Alkane website on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. Silver has been considered a precious metal for 6,000 years and currency since 600 B.C. It's been commercially mined in Mexico since 1530 in mineral-prolific and mining-friendly Sonora State, where El Tigre Silver Corp.'s 5,000-meter drill program is now underway. El Tigre's properties with gold and silver mining concessions span approximately 267 square miles. With an attractive share structure and a strong, proven management team, El Tigre Silver Corp. is poised to identify a resource in an area that from 1903 to 1938 produced 75 million ounces of silver and 380,000 ounces of gold. Additionally, their tailing stockpile is currently progressing to production. Learn more about El Tigre Silver Corp. by visiting their website, eltigresilvercorp.com or click through El Tigre's logo on the homepage of our website, Ellis martinreport.com. Joining us now is veteran geologist and mining stock analyst Brent Cook. His website is called explorationinsights.com. It offers the sophisticated speculator, independent and unbiased analysis of the junior mining and exploration market. Brent provides you with rigorous factual analysis based on decades of industry-related experience in over 60 countries. Brent, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be on it. It's been a while. We haven't talked in months. From what I understand and what most people would say has been a terrible year in the resource sector for a lot of investors, a lot of pundits, most everybody, you've had a fairly decent ride. Do you want to talk about that? It's been a terrible market, and you know, certainly a lot of our stocks are down considerably over the past, call it, 18 months and stuff. But in general, these are the sort of markets that I, I prefer and that everything's not flying and you know, everybody's not getting it right. So what we've been doing is able to identify high-quality, early-stage exploration plays that really stand a chance at becoming something major. I've hired on another geologist, Quentin Henning, who's real smart, came out of Newmont. And so we've been putting together a series as to what the majors are looking for, what the mid-tiers are looking for, and then finally, what's out there that they can buy. And you'd be surprised how little there is out there. When you really go through the numbers, offers the profit margin that these guys are looking for which comes back to what I'm saying, is that high-quality exploration discovery is going to be worth a lot. Now, you wrote an article that was available to your subscribers on your website, explorationinsights.com, going into detail as far as how few gold deposits that there are that can meet the demand as you just elaborated on. You're only looking at these early-stage exploration companies with a chance of success. You're not looking at the producers right now in that that's not where you and or your subscribers can make the biggest buck. Well, certainly, I don't deal with the majors. It's, I understand what they're doing, and I think it's interesting. I mean, the big picture to me is that these majors are unable to find, develop, and prove up sufficient resources to place what they're producing. In particular, sufficient resources to do so at the same cost. We've seen Barrick pull some huge projects off the books, 36 million ounces they pulled off out of their development stage plans. Newmont's done similar things. Uh, Newcrest has been pulling things off. I mean, they're all having trouble. So what that tells me is that they need 
high margin deposits. They don't have them in-house, and they're going to have to go out and buy them, and buy them they will. And so that's, to me, the logical place to be is at that very early stage where you can start to see a discovery and understand the geologic potential and what it's really going to take to mine it and get in on that. There's no room for error because my belief is that I want to sell the stock I buy to someone smarter than me, that being a mining company. So that's what I'm always looking at is how are they going to look at these things. So we've had some real successes. I mean, let's see, one of our stocks is up 388% since we bought it. Uh, another one's up 821 since we bought it. So we've had a good year overall when you average everything in. When you say when you bought it, are you talking about last year or the year before? How long have you owned these stocks? Well, okay, for instance, uh, one of the companies is Reservoir Minerals. We bought that in July, and we're up 200-plus percent on that one. Another one we bought is GoldQuest, which we bought in May. We're up 388 on that one. And so those are bought, you know, this year during the depths of the bad market. It's the time to identify these things. Well, that's amazing. And we're relying on your expertise as a geologist, basically, and your knowledge of who's running the companies. Basically, yeah. This is a very complex business, geology, mining, exploration, and, you know, that's what I've done for 30-odd years. So it makes sense that I should know at least somewhat what I'm doing. But you wouldn't expect me to know anything about biotechnology or brain surgery, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing. Now, do these companies pay you in any way to come take a look at them? No, I think that's, that's a really good question. And everybody who's getting advice from somebody should have their advisor tell them how they make their money. What I do, my letter is about what I'm doing with my money in this sector, what I'm buying, what I'm not buying and the reasoning behind it. And the only money I make is off my subscriptions and off my investments. So I don't get paid by any companies for anything, saying anything, whatever. And you'll note that in my letter, I'm not afraid to call something funny, if you will, if it is. There's a lot of companies out there putting out bogus, exactly. There's a lot of companies that do put out bogus information. And, you know, if it's really striking and it's stirring a lot of questions from my subscribers, I'll go into that, too, why we're not buying it. Barkerville Gold is a great example of that. We went into a lot of detail on their resource statement because not so much that I was going to buy it or short it, but just as an example of things you've got to look for. What are some of the up-and-comers you're excited about right now? Who have you gotten involved with recently that you're betting on? Yeah, the fellow working with me, Quentin Henning, he just got back from a trip to Dominican Republic visiting with uh, Goldcrest, among a number of other companies down there. And he came back positive enough that uh, he actually bought some of that stock. You know, I went from a much lower cost basis, but so that's a good one. A reservoir, I just got back from Serbia looking at their TMOC project, which again, they just put out a drill hole that's stellar, one of the best I've ever seen. That's certainly one that we've been watching. Almaden is another company that's slowly defining a resource down in um, Mexico. Those are the three that come to mind, and I can't, obviously can't give away everything, but I'm very cautious. I don't buy that many stocks. You know, it's a very slow process. How many are in your portfolio, if you don't mind me asking? I try and keep it to a maximum of 20. The key in this game is to understand more about a company than the competition, and 20 companies is a lot to follow. Another one we bought recently is Bellow Sun, a much larger company, much more advanced with a good 5 million ounce resource in Brazil that I think is high grade enough or high margin enough that somebody will buy it. So that's the sort of thing we're looking at, too. And have you taken any major hits in 2012? Yeah, we've been nailed pretty good on a few as well. Um, our investment in Glass Earth hasn't turned out too well. We're down 41% on that. I'm off on a few others. That's the biggest hit we've taken, I think. But it has been a bad year in general. I mean, you know, these exploration plays, unless they've got a drill hole or a certain exciting discovery, they've just slowly but surely gone down every month. Now, you're going to be attending the Hard Assets Conference in Chicago at the end of the month. 
other than speaking, which we're all looking forward to, what are you going to be looking for? I'm actually doing a, a short course, too, a two-hour short course on interpreting company news releases. I think that's a useful course. The benefit to me at those conferences is I can meet a bunch of companies in a short period of time in a short place and get a sense of who may be onto something that I want to follow up on when I get back to my office or even go look and take a look at. I just use those conferences to do my own research. Let's talk about your website, explorationinsights.com. Actually, there's some useful information on there. There's one tab called Geo Insights, and on there I've put a number of the more geologic discussions out of the newsletters, pulled them out and put it out there for public to see. There's some technical papers. And there's lots of interviews and things I've written in the past as well that I think are worth someone having a look at if they're interested in this sector. Well, Brent, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for catching up with us today on the program. Thank you. I've been chatting with geologist and newsletter writer Brent Cook. Brent's website is explorationinsights.com. Listen to the segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartinreport.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. Resource World Magazine is your source for information on investing in mining, oil and gas, and alternative energy companies. Where should your money go? Who can help you? Find the answers at Resource World Magazine. We're committed to providing information and articles of relevance to our readers. Subscribe to Resource World Magazine and have free access to our online investor tools. Plus, when you subscribe online, you get 50% off the newsstand price. Visit us at www.resourceworld.com to find out more about the the magazine and our other services. In this segment, I'll be speaking with Michael McClellan, president of Gale Force Petroleum, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol GFP.V and on the OTCQX as GFPMF. Gale Force Petroleum is a company focused on acquiring and exploiting underdeveloped and undervalued oil and gas reserves in mature basins, bringing operational expertise and capital to lower-risk development-type projects. Gale Force currently owns producing oil and gas properties in Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks, Ellis. So tell us something about Gale Force Petroleum, your producer. Yes, we have cash flow positive, profitable, productive operations, two years in the making. Production has increased over nine successive quarters. Cash flows generated continue to increase in lockstep. When was the company founded, Michael? Galeforce was launched under its new and current business plan in May of 2010 and began a series of acquisitions that have resulted in the company having an NAV of somewhere around 70 cents per share, maybe even a dollar per share. As I mentioned, our production has increased every quarter since then. The business plan was to acquire underdeveloped properties in the southern U.S., focusing mainly in Texas, and bring capital and expertise to those underdeveloped properties and not take a lot of risk. We haven't drilled any wells yet. We've merely bought existing production or previously producing wells and then brought them back onto production. And the strategies work very well for us so far, and we've been able to earn very good returns for our investors. You're not really wasting any money on speculative drilling, are you? No. We've only bought mainly true shallow oil reserves, whether it was existing production or prior production in the recent past. And we've reactivated that production using some new technologies, but mostly proven technologies. So there isn't a lot of risk with what we do. And yes, the cash flows back out of the properties we purchased and developed have begun immediately, and that has helped us grow the business because 
we've been reinvesting that cash all the way along. Do you expect to have to go back to the market for any further funding? We are fully funded at the moment. You know, we don't expect to go back to market anytime soon, but we're a public company and we're growing very fast. We've done 10 acquisitions now in just over two years. At some point, we likely will need to raise additional capital to continue our growth, but that wouldn't be till sometime in 2013. When the price of oil comes off like it did this year, it doesn't really affect your bottom line much, does it? No, I mean, this is all good territory for us. We've modeled our business at $80 oil. And we've got a lot of hedges in place. There are swaps at $100 oil for about two-thirds of our production. So even if oil is at $80, we're still going to be getting over $100 on a majority of our production. Those hedges are in place you know, on a declining basis through to the middle of 2014. So we feel very secure about our cash flows over the next two years. Tell us about the board of directors of your company and your background as well, if you don't mind. My co-chairman now is Scott Patterson. He's one of Canada's biggest producing investment bankers ever, raising over a billion dollars for various junior resource and technology and other companies. He currently sits on the board of Lionsgate Cinema. Robert Johnson is a local Dallas director who's got 10 years experience in the oil and gas business, ran and owned a private oil and gas company with Emory Johnson of Operations for 10 years. He's a very successful entrepreneur in the technology business as well. Ruben Alba is ex-superior, ex-Halliburton. He's the chairman of our reserves committee, one of the most talented deal flow assessors that I've ever seen. He's got an excellent background in geophysics, geology, and engineering, so he brings a lot to the table. Charles Marlowe is a head trader and founder at Palos Management, which is a half a billion dollar fund out of Montreal. He mainly executes short-long strategies on oil and gas stocks, so he's very knowledgeable in our space. Again, has helped out greatly on the market side of things. Guillaume Dumas on our board. He's also our CFO. He's got 20 years experience in capital markets, raising money for junior companies. He's a lawyer by background, but has an excellent financial and legal mind. So we've actually got a overall a, an excellent board that brings a lot of different perspectives. There's a very collaborative approach at the board level that leads to very good decision-making, as far as I can tell, and I, and I love working with these guys. On the operational side of things, Emory Johnson, our chief of operations, he's got 40 years' experience in executive management. He spent the last 13 years successfully building and operating an oil and gas company in East Texas. Very steady hand in terms of managing and the growth of our production. Daniel Smith is our chief technical advisor. He's based out of Tyler, Texas. He was formerly with XTO and oversaw a million cubic feet of gas production a day. Very challenging completion techniques that he executed on there. He's helping us with all aspects of our development. And actually, Daniel, Ruben, and Emery form our technical committee. And that technical committee oversees and approves all of our capital spending, both acquisitions and capex for development. And so between Ruben's experience at Superior and Halliburton, Daniels with XTO and Emery's in operations, we've got an amazing technical team. And how about yourself? I was initially hired to restructure and relaunch Gale Force. My background is in finance and general business. I did a Bachelor of Commerce way back when and initially worked doing swap operations with Deutsche Bank in London, England. I helped set up financial systems for the Scottish Parliament in 2001 when the Parliament was founded. Then I was selling hedge funds and mutual funds for pioneer investments out of France to Europe, Middle East, Africa. When I came back to Canada, I moved to Montreal and did various financial roles, but I ended up becoming the CFO of a technology company that was listed on the Venture Exchange and ascertained a lot of corporate finance experience. Ultimately, that led to being the CFO and CEO of what is now Gale Force and being hired to restructure it and write the new business plan. I wrote that business plan with the help of others to take advantage of the current macroeconomic climate. We wrote it with the benefit of having seen the gas price collapse of 2008 and the general difficulty small companies were having financing themselves after the financial crisis. We've gone after opportunities where the sellers of properties have often been in financial distress 
which has allowed us to buy at relatively good values. Not every single property we've bought has been coming in or out of a bankruptcy, but some of them have been, and it's, it's enabled us to get in at very good prices on the properties before we start applying capital to the development part of the process. I've been speaking with Michael McClellan, CEO of Gale Force Petroleum, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol GFP.V and on the OTCQX as GFPMF. Find a link to their website on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. It's over. No, it can't be true. What will I do? What will I say? What? Oh, oh this. Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Then they run right back to work and get jiggy with getting busy. Remember, invest at your own risk. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. The Ellis Martin Report is a unit of Big Sky Productions Incorporated. For Ellis Martin, this is Cool Voice Guy. Ciao, babies. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.